Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today I'm speaking with Amy Young, the author and illustrator of several picture books, including Belinda the Ballerina, The Mud Fairy, and Don't Eat the Baby. This summer, she's back with a new picture book, A Unicorn Named Sparkle. It's being published in July by FSG, an imprint of Macmillan Children's Publishing Group, which is sponsoring this podcast. In the book, a girl named Lucy excitedly responds to an ad for a unicorn for sale. It's a pretty exciting offer in and of itself, and better yet, the unicorn only costs 25 cents. Lucy dreams of riding over rainbows on the back of her unicorn and basking in the adoration of her friends, but when the actual unicorn shows up, it looks a little bit more like a goat with a horn strapped to its head. So the big question is, are Lucy's unicorn fantasies finished, or is this the start of a beautiful, if unconventional, friendship? Uh, Amy, thank you for speaking with me. Thanks for having me here. So I noticed that the bio at the back of the book says that you had a unicorn for a pet as a child. Is that, <laughs> now, is that just a joke, or is there more of a story uh, behind that? Well, it wasn't a real unicorn the way Sparkle is, but, you know, I had imaginary friends and animals of all sorts, so it's not a true, true story. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe that's a good place to start because, you know, I know that our review of the book essentially suggested that this isn't really a unicorn that that shows up at Lucy's doorstep, but rather it's a goat in disguise and someone has probably pulled one over on poor Lucy. But, you know, I suppose that's really not the only way one could read the book. It's also possible that unicorns just aren't as glamorous and gorgeous as, as we imagined. Was that ambiguity something you were after? It definitely was. And I think it was interesting that some reviewers see that Sparkle as a goat. And to me, he's very much a unicorn. And I think it's really funny how people will say, well, I know what a real unicorn looks like. And it doesn't look like that. So it must be a goat, even though he has a horn, even though rainbows appear in his midst. <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned, he's a unicorn. But, you know, there's a spectrum of unicorns. So he appears somewhere on the spectrum, more at the goat end. Okay. And, uh, you know, can you talk a little bit about how this particular story uh, took shape for you? Yeah, the idea really just kind of popped into my head one day as I was taking a walk. But when I examined it a little bit, I knew where it came from. And that is when I was a kid, we would get these comic books. And in the back of the comic books were all kinds of very enticing advertisements for things like x-ray glasses and for something called sea monkeys. And in the ad for the sea monkeys... There's a picture of these little sort of monkey family people and the mother sea monkey has blonde hair and curls and a red bow and they're all very happy and a whole happy human family is watching them. And I thought that looked so great. But when you order sea monkeys, what you get is these very, very disappointing brine shrimp. And I think that somehow that just stuck with me all these years and was just looking for a vehicle of expression. Mm -hmm. Were you a big fan of the back page comic things? As I, I would always peruse them. But mm -hmm. uh, I think that was perhaps where I first started learning about truth in advertising. <laughs> <laughs> and why we don't all look like Charles Atlas. That's right. That too. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were working with uh, Joy Peskin over at FSG uh, as your editor for this book. Did the story yes. make any notable changes or shifts? Did, did, you know, how did the story come together during that process? You know, a lot of times when I first uh, draft a story, I'll, I'll sort of work on it a bit and then I'll show it to Joy and we'll work on it quite a bit more. But this one, I really kept close to the chest for quite a while. I I had a really good feeling about this story and I wanted to really explore it on my own without any other input. So I held on to it for, I don't know, six months, maybe a year. I actually did a whole 
drawn out dummy that I gave to Joy with the manuscript, which I don't usually do at this point in my career because if everything changes, you have to redraw everything. But I really wanted, I really had a vision for this book. So, um, and it, it didn't change much really. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that seems like a good lead in to talk about the art and to me, you know, the, the look of the artwork in this book doesn't, you know, doesn't feel to me too similar to what I've seen in some of your previous books. Did, did it feel like a departure for you stylistically? What it feels like really is a return to my roots. I've always loved drawing and I've loved sketches that show sort of speed and emotion and, and gesture drawing. And very often when I go to the final art, you know, you can have lush, beautiful color, but some of that beauty of the initial energy in the drawing gets lost. And my agent had mentioned that and so did one of the art directors. And I said, I know, I know it drives me crazy. I I really want to get that. And we discussed it for a while. And I really started exploring doing this with ink and trying to keep that line. And uh, Quentin Blake was a huge inspiration for me. He has a wonderful little YouTube clip of how he approaches the drawing. And is something that hadn't really occurred to me that you can draw for two seconds and if it's not working, throw it away, begin again. You know, just really be free with it. And that really helped me with this book. So it looks like a new approach in my books, but to me it really feels like going back to my roots and, and what's the heart of art for me. Hmm. And so so it's ink you were using then for, for the black line work and that sort of thing. And then was it watercolor in terms of the coloring? Yes. Do you feel like watercolor as a medium maybe also helps with a certain looseness and energy or is that something you're accustomed to working yeah. with? Yeah. Yeah, well, I I have an education in formal art and painting, and I've done a lot of watercolor, and I've done a lot of oil paint also, um, and would try to keep that fairly loose. But there's something about, I really wanted the line to be what dominated and not the color. And so a light touch with watercolor seemed to let the line really shine out. You know, I feel like a big part of the book's comedy is involves sort of the gulf between uh, fantasy and reality. Uh, you know, the opening pages and even the end papers are all rainbows and stars and cupcakes. But, you know, when, when Sparkle shows up, it's more like smelliness and farting and <laughs> eating everything that isn't nailed down. Um, was, was that gap in expectation uh, something that maybe you were trying to exploit visually as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I think there are so many pressures on people, kids, adults, everyone, that we should look a certain way, we should want certain things, that we should act a certain way. And sometimes that's internal. We put that pressure on ourselves. And sometimes it's society, you know, um, certain kinds of dolls, girls are supposed to like pink, all that stuff. But the reality is sometimes very different. And I guess I'm a fan of the reality and I like the, the variety that comes out of that. But uh, it, is, it is definitely looking at expectations versus reality, unrealistic expectations. <laughs> and I mean, and I feel like certainly unicorns are up there in that sort of quintessential category of, you know, things that kids love and maybe stereotypically girls are obsessed with. Do you think there's a reason that, you know, is it just that they're magical and beautiful? Why, what is the enduring appeal of the unicorn, do you think? Ah, magical, beautiful rainbows. I think rainbows, for me anyway, are a big part of it. And that's why the books have, uh, they're definitely rainbows appearing. He's magical, you know. Um, What can I say? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do I have to explain it? No. Well, what are some of your favorite, I guess, comedic moments in the book? Are there certain scenes that you just ended up, you know, again, when you were working with this art style and things like that, were there certain moments that you felt just really came together exactly how you'd hoped? 
I like some of the little scenes where, so she gets the unicorn and she's putting the necklace on him and he eats it. She puts the tutu on him and he eats it. I like it also when she's trying to push and shove him to show and tell and he doesn't want to go. I know that kids, their favorite moment or a favorite moment is often when she uh, she's yelling at Sparkle to not eat the clothes off the clothesline, especially not the underpants. You know, any reference to underpants is, tends to be a big hit with the young set. Picture book gold. Picture book gold. That was that was joy coming through with that. <laughs> I have a lot of favorite moments in this. It's funny because I, I, it's you know a lot of times there's just one, but I just I like this book. You know, it's people always ask me what's your favorite book you've done, and I'll say, well, it's like a mother. You ask what her favorite child is, and you like them all. They all have something different. But the flip side of that is, come on, we all know Ma had a favorite, and quite frankly, this book is my favorite of my books so far. Excellent. And, and so it sounds like even though the book is not out just yet, you've been maybe uh, test driving it with uh, some young audiences? A little bit, yep. yep. And uh, are they falling, are, are the kids uh, weighing in at all on the goat versus unicorn uh, question? Um, you know, initially I was playing around with where the horn would be, and I had the horn at the end of his nose instead of between his eyes at one point, and that, with my limited test audience, was not appropriate at all. Okay. But with the horn, I think they're, that they're, they're sort of, they're willing to, oh, the unicorn, yeah. All right. Well, you mentioned this briefly, but maybe we could talk a little bit about your art background a little bit. You, sure. You, you studied painting. Has that always been your medium as far as art making? Uh, when I was three, I remembered thinking I wanted to be an artist and I've studied, you know, some sculpture, but I, I majored in painting, but I always, as I say, loved the drawing and the gesture drawing. And so, mm-hmm. and, uh, your, your first book was, uh, Belinda, the ballerina, I think back in, uh, 2002. Can you talk about how you ended up getting into children's books in the first place? It's <laughs> a long circuitous route. Mm-hmm. So there I was in art school and I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I got out of art school. You don't just suddenly become a successful fine artist. And I really didn't didn't want to teach and there weren't really jobs anyway. So, uh, and I was also kind of disillusioned with the fine art scene. So I went to law school and I was a lawyer for seven years and I thought, you know, it's time to grow up, put childish things behind me. And I didn't expect it, but I just really missed art and I was dying to get back to it. And I met some women who did some and men too, who did illustration and graphic arts. And so I started exploring that. And I started illustrating for magazines and newspapers while I was still a lawyer. And then I had the idea that I really wanted to do a kid's book. I could just tell that that would be a great niche for me, partly because it would be a more extended project. It's not just, you know, one image and you're done. You really get to explore a character and their story. And partly because I think there's a part of me that really I resonate with kids. I talk child, as they say. I mean, if they're a group of little kids playing, I play with them on their level. I can be an adult when I need to, but I I remember that world very well. Were uh, books a big part of that world as well? Oh, absolutely. Always, always reading. Sure. Mm-hmm. And one of my first memories is you know sitting in my dad's lap and reading books. We used to do that all the time. You know, you mentioned Quentin Blake earlier, but are there um, other artists or specific books that were also maybe inspirational in terms of your thinking, oh, this is maybe something that I want to do? For children's books? Oh, gosh, there are just so many that it's really hard to even say. You know, I've always loved Dr. Seuss and Maurice Sendak, those giants. Mm -hmm. I loved Ferdinand the Bull, Monroe Leaf. Marjorie Priceman was sort of an early influence as well. But really, it was kind of what I wanted to express. It wasn't that I wanted to do what someone else was doing. Um, 
but but all of them are inspirational nonetheless. And do you still uh, paint in other forms, or do you feel like your artistic output is mostly focused on your on your bookmaking? It's mostly bookmaking. I do sometimes keep little notebooks of um, like little sketches and odd things that um, could turn into larger works, and I, I toy with that now and then, but. My space right now isn't really set up for that. So, so what's uh, what's next for you? Are, are there other projects you're sort of contemplating or working on that you can talk about? Well, since you ask, I just finished uh, Sparkle 2, a oh. new friend for Sparkle. And I may have to do just a few more sketches for that. But basically, that is done. And that's uh, the continuing adventures of Sparkle, where Lucy and Sparkle have a play date with a, a little kid named Brock. And things sort of... <laughs> It's not a smooth path towards friendship, but it all works out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, are you planning to get out there at all and you know spend time with kids, uh, talk to them on their level, uh, you know, when the book comes out uh, later this summer? Yes, in fact, I'm going on a book tour right when the book comes out. So its pub date is July 5th, and I'll be on the road starting in Michigan and heading west from there. And I'm really looking forward to uh, you know meeting with kids and others too. Excellent. Is, is there a particular local bookstore that you uh, tend to hang out at or spend time with? Absolutely. There's the Bookman in Grand Haven, and I'll be doing an event there probably in mid-July when I get back from the rest of the tour. And uh, that's where I got some of my earliest encouragement and have some really dear friends there now. Excellent. Well, thank you again for speaking with me and uh, congratulations on the book. Thank you so much. Once again, I've been speaking with Amy Young, whose new picture book, A Unicorn Named Sparkle, is out in July from FSG. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast.